Uh, graduation Sunday, I thought it would be appropriate to have a graduate bring forth the word, especially a graduate from North Point Bible College. Uh, we've known Rebecca Ritchie since she was a little baby, and uh, we know her mom and dad very well, Carol and Brother David over there in the back. Um, and uh, Re- Rebecca has done a, an outstanding job at North Point. Um, I think the family moved here in, what, 2008, I think it was, up from Providence, where uh, Brother Ritchie is a professor at the school. Carol worked there for many years. And uh, Rebecca started to go there when she was of age to do that. And the last four years, she's done exceedingly well. Let me read this again. Bachelor's degree, double major in biblical studies and ministerial leadership. Graduated summa cum laude and was the salutatorian of her class. Uh, She's done extremely well. And what I, I love about Rebecca and we we say this all the time, it's one thing to be raised in a Christian family. It's important to be raised in a Christian family. But the children could never live on their parents' faith. They could never, you know, I mean, that'll, that'll carry them so far. At some point, they have to make faith their own. And uh, Rebecca made her faith her own, and it's been exemplified through her life and through her ministry. Uh, several weeks ago, I was watching a, uh, uh, a live stream from North Point, and uh, Rebecca happened to be preaching that day in, in chapel. or It was an evening service. I forget what it was. I thought, wow, we've got to have Rebecca preach here, especially before she goes off to Kentucky to pursue her higher education out there. So uh, Rebecca has been a part of this church for many years now. Um, she'll be with us until August, I believe. But uh, please give her a warm welcome as she brings forth the Word of God this morning. Rebecca Ritchie, come. We love you. You all set? Okay. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Is this on? Good morning, everyone. How is everyone today? Good. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. Um, I just want to say, um, first of all, congratulations to all of my fellow graduates of the class of 2021. Uh, great job. All of your hard work has, has definitely paid off, and I'm excited to see what God is going to do in this next step of your lives. And um, I would also like to say thank you to Pastor Rick for this awesome opportunity to speak here today. Pastor Rick has been such an amazing example of God in my life. And um, just thank him for the opportunities that he's given me. He's been so generous. So I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me here today as well. (laughs) And most importantly, though, I would like to thank the Lord and just praise God because If it weren't for the Lord, I really wouldn't be standing here today. Um, God literally saved my life when I was uh, three years old, and he has continued to just keep me and sustain me um, ever since then. And so I really owe everything to Jesus, because without him, I truly would not be standing here today. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you. (laughs) So... Today, I will be speaking from the book of 1 Samuel, starting in the first chapter. But before we get into the text, um, if everyone would please bow their head and pray with me. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God, because you are such a good, good father to us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for being such a wonderful God. Thank you, Jesus, 
Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you would just touch every heart in this room, God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word, Lord. Whatever it is that you would have to say today, God, I pray that you would just speak it to us, God, and that we would hear you. Lord, I pray that you would hide your servant behind the cross, God, that people would see you and not me, God. Lord, that you would speak to people today. It is not me speaking right now, God. It is you speaking, Lord. So, God, I pray that whatever it is that you want to say, God, that we would be obedient to hear you, God, and that we would act on what you tell us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, like I said before, I'll be speaking from 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, If there has ever been a time in your life where maybe you have felt hurt or disappointed Or maybe you had to watch someone succeed when you were not able to succeed in that way. Maybe you had to watch someone have the very thing that you wanted but could not have. If you can relate to any of these, then you can relate to the woman that I'll be talking about today in 1 Samuel, whose name was Hannah. You see, the problem of Hannah, starting in verse 1, was that she was barren. She could not conceive a son, and she wanted a child so badly She wanted a child, and it says that the Lord had closed her womb. So we'll be starting reading in verse 1. There was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim in the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On that day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So right from the beginning, we're faced with this problem that Hannah is dealing with, where not only can she not conceive, not only does she have her own thoughts in her mind where she is so upset that she cannot conceive a son, but she also has to daily face the fact that Peninnah, Elkanah's other wife, has all of these children that she so desperately wants. So obviously we know that polygamy is wrong, and it's not that the Bible is condoning it. It could be that Elkanah took a second wife, just from the way it's worded. It says he has one wife and then another, Peninnah, that Hannah was the one he really loved, and that was his first wife. But it could be he took a second wife because Hannah could not conceive, because she could not have a child, and he needed his, his heritage. He has a long heritage here that he needs to continue. He needs a son to inherit his estate, and he needs someone to carry on the family name. So he needed a child, and unfortunately, Hannah could not give that to him. So the torment that she must have faced must have been so great, because here she is knowing that she couldn't have a child. And in those days, it wasn't just a sad thing where you wanted a child. It was for women your entire life. It was your reputation. It was who you are. So Hannah felt this disgrace. She felt this shame, because no matter what the problem was in those days, they would look at the woman and say, because you are barren, it's your fault. No matter what the problem was, we know today that it could be a number of things But the scriptures here say that the Lord had closed her womb. So God is sovereign in this entire process. But you see, Peninnah, her rival, the Bible calls her, torments Hannah. 
It's bad enough that she already knows what she's dealing with. She already is in pain and sorrow, and she knows she cannot have a son or a child. But it's bad enough for that. But Peninnah continues to torment her. Maybe she's jealous if it is true that she's his wife because Hannah could not succeed. Maybe she was jealous of Hannah because of Elkanah's love for her. But nevertheless, whatever the situation is, she torments her. She makes fun of her. She mocks her. And she uses this special occasion where the family would go to sacrifice in Shiloh to the festivals to give the Lord their portion and to be faithful to God. She uses this situation where Elkanah would have sacrificed the meat and you would take the leftover portion and you would give it to your wife who would then allot it to her children and the family. So Peninnah uses this, this particular circumstance to make Hannah feel even worse because it's clear as Peninnah's giving her, chi- her children the meat and Hannah has none. But Elkanah does give her a double portion because he loves her and he probably feels sorry for her. So he gives her that extra portion, but still she has no one to give it to. She has no sons, no daughters. And it says that Peninnah would torment her so much to the point of tears So, reading back in verse 7, this went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Elkanah tries to comfort Hannah, but she can't just have the comfort of her husband. She can't just have the comfort of a person because sometimes in this life there are things that torment us, that make us feel bad. There are things that we go through that only God can comfort us. Only God can give us that peace and that restoration. Only God can give us the peace and the rest that we need. And it's Hannah knows this because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anyone says to her. She knows that she still has this problem. She knows that at the end of the day when she lays her head on her pillow, she knows that she still can't conceive. The problem doesn't go away just because of Elkanah's comforting words. They're nice, and I'm sure they mean a lot. He doesn't bring her shame, which many people may have done. He loves her, but they still don't give her that rest. They still don't give her that satisfaction that she needs, because that satisfaction can only come from God. So what does Hannah do with this problem? What does she do? Does she turn to Peninnah and rebuke her, or make fun of her, or try to get back at her? No, she doesn't. She allows the Lord to vindicate her. She goes right to the Lord. Verse 9, it says, After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So what does Hannah do? She rises, she can't eat, she's in so much distraught pain that she just can't even think about food. I don't know if you've ever been there where you're just so upset about something that food just isn't even the focus anymore. It's like your pain has just taken over everything and all you can think about is your situation going on. So food is the last thing she can think of. The double portion is a good, um, it's a nice investment of Elkanah, but it's just not going to help Hannah here. So she goes to the Lord and 
this, in other translations, it says that she was, she had bitterness in soul, which is a term used a few times in the Hebrew Bible. One in Job um, 3 specifically, where Job says, why is it that the bitterness in soul are the ones who live on? Because Job had just lost everything, all his family, all his livestock, his house, everything he lost. And he was in such a place of turmoil that he was so upset and he just wanted to die. So this phrase is a very important and deep phrase. And it shows the real anguish that Hannah was going through because this was her life. And it says year after year this would happen. This wasn't just the first time that Peninnah would provoke her. This wasn't just the first time that she had maybe cried out to the Lord for this. This wasn't just the first time that she had felt this extreme pain and anguish. She had to live with Peninnah every single day. It's hard enough if we have somebody who makes fun of us at work or at school or something. But she lived in the house with this woman. This was her life. And every single year, this would go on. The Bible doesn't say for how many years, but it seems as though it's been a while that this has happened. And so Hannah, out of this bitterness and out of this pain, makes a vow to the Lord. And she says, if you will give me a son, then I will give him right back to you. And it's clear that in those days... um, they would make Nazarite vows. And it seems like this is a Nazarite vow because she says, and no razor shall touch his head. So in those days, the Jewish men would make Nazarite vows to the Lord to show their dedication and separation. But normally these would take place not over an entire lifetime. Maybe it was like a month or a year or however long they felt to do so. But there were three components to this vow to show that you are separate to the Lord. First, you would not eat any grapes of any form. Uh, most likely to abstain from any alcohol. Secondly, you would not shave your head, you would not cut your hair at all, most likely as a sign, an outward sign to people that you were separating yourself to the Lord at this time. And thirdly, you were not allowed to touch dead bodies because that was a sign of you being unclean. And I said before, you wanted to be separated to the Lord. And so that was ceremonially unclean and you wanted to be able to be um, sanctified to the Lord. So, like I said, these vows are usually not made for a lifetime, and they're never made uh, by proxy, where it is the mother who is vowing the son. And so this is the dedication that she has. She wants this thing that she's asking from God, that she's willing to give her son right back. And so... This is the petition of Hannah. She is petitioning the Lord. First we see the problem of Hannah. Then we see the petition of Hannah. And so what happens? Well, jumping to verse 12, it says, As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. He actually mistakens her for a drunken woman, but she quickly corrects him and says, No, please do not think that I am drunk. I am just in such turmoil that I am pouring my soul out to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever prayed like that, where you're just praying to God so earnestly that your heart is really speaking and your lips are just moving because you're so focused on your prayer with the Lord. You're so in tune with the Spirit at that moment that you don't even care if anyone's watching. You're just pouring your soul out. And that's what Hannah was doing. And so what does Eli say to her when he realizes what's going on? He says... Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. 
Because you see, Hannah had faith when he said, may the God of Israel grant your petition. She had faith. And only when she could get that answer from God, only when she could get that may God grant your favor, was she able to not be sad anymore? Because like I said before, there's some things in our life that only God can quench that, only God can fulfill that void that we experience sometimes. No matter what it is, sometimes only God can fill that. So it wasn't until she heard from the Lord through Eli that her face was no longer sad because she had faith that God was going to do what she petitioned him to do. So next we see the provision of Hannah in verse 20, or starting in verse 19, actually. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. She received what she was asking for, and the Lord remembered her. That word in the Hebrew, remember, doesn't just mean to recall to mind or to recall a certain memory from the past. Because we know that God is omniscient. He doesn't just forget things and then remember it again like we do as humans. So for this word to be used of God in the Bible means so much more than just remembering. It means to, sp- to pay special attention to. God remembered her just like she had asked when she said, Remember me and do not forget your servant. God remembered her. He paid special attention to her. He chose to give her what she had asked. And in due time, this happened. It wasn't long after that God gave her exactly what she had asked for from him. So Hannah decides that she is going to keep her vow. She is going to fulfill her vow to the Lord. And it's actually interesting because although Elkanah was not the one who made this vow, in a way he kind of had his own vow that he kept to the Lord because in those days um, the Jewish men were allowed to nullify a vow if it was either a father who was nullifying it for the daughter or a husband to the wife. Um, If a woman made a vow, her father or husband, whoever was in charge of the household, had to confirm it and let it stand. So Elkanah kept the vow for Hannah. He didn't just nullify it and say, that's not going to happen. We're keeping our child. He, too, gave his child up to the Lord, his son Samuel. So they both technically sacrificed their son for the Lord. But first, Hannah needed to wean the child because even though she still kept him, um, usually weaning is about two to three years, even though she kept him that time, she still had every intention of fulfilling her vow. She never wavered on it. It's just that she couldn't give a newborn baby to the priest Eli because that wouldn't be much of a gift. That would be more of a burden. He would have to take care of him. So she weaned him for two to three years because that was the age until he was of age to go to the temple. And... So what does she say when she finally gives him? Reading in verse 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. 
And it's interesting because Hannah kind of uses a pun that we don't really catch in our English translation. But in the Hebrew, it's the same word for petition, sha'al, to ask. And she uses the same word, I have asked, I have petitioned. And the same word then to lend, she uses the same word, sha'al, because it has kind of a couple meanings. So really she's kind of making a pun saying, uh, I petitioned and now I'm lending, using the same verb. And... So she's kind of saying more than we really catch right here. But she is just so grateful that God has given this gift to her. She's so grateful that God heard her, that God remembered her. And so next we see the praise of Hannah. Hannah gives to the Lord what she promised him. Because sometimes God is faithful to us, but we are not always faithful back to God. God will give us the thing that we are praying for, the thing that we are asking for. And sometimes then he gives it to us and we tend to forget about God. We tend to put him on the back burner and then we don't fulfill the vows that we made. Maybe we're praying so earnestly and in that moment, God is our everything. We're leaning on God. We're waiting on God. We're trusting in him. He's our Alpha and Omega. He's everything to us. And then we say, God, if you give this to me, I will give you this. I will pray more. I will read my Bible every day. I will do the X, Y, and Z. I will do all these things if you give me what I'm asking for. And then God comes through. But do we always come through? When God comes through for us, do we always come through for the Lord? Do we always give God what we said we would give him? Because it's so important to keep our vows to the Lord like Hannah did. Hannah asked for a son and God blessed her with a son. But it didn't just stop there. She kept her vow to the Lord and she gave the son right back to God. Because the Lord loves it when we give to him. The Lord loves it when we give him that first fruits that we promised him. And he is always faithful to us to bless us even more. Because then it says that um, Eli prayed for them, the family, Elkanah and Hannah. And then she conceived three more sons and two daughters. Because when you give to God, you can't outgive God. He always blesses because he's such a good and faithful God. He's such a generous God. He's such a good father. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So as Hannah is obedient, the Lord blesses her. The Lord blesses this entire thing because really God is sovereign in this entire picture. It is the Lord who initially closed her womb and the Lord is the one who gives her a son when she petitions him. So back in the text, when she petitions the Lord and he does give her a son, she says, I had asked for him from the Lord because God always is faithful to his promises. And Hannah prays a prayer. She also praises the Lord because we have to remember to praise God when he comes through for us. We have to remember to give thanks to the Lord when he is there for us. We can't just be happy that God gave us something and then go on our way. We have to praise God. He is always worthy of our praise, but especially when he does something miraculous for us, we need to praise him because he is worthy of all the honor and all of the glory. So what does Hannah do? She prays this amazing theological prayer that is so amazing for just a, a common woman of that time to pray. It was definitely divinely inspired. And I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to read the first few verses. But I encourage you to read it when you're at home because it is amazing prayer that just magnifies the Lord. She says, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. 
Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Hallelujah. We serve such a mighty God, and Hannah recognizes this. We can see from her initial prayer that Hannah knew God. She had a relationship with God. She wasn't just petitioning someone she didn't know. She calls him, O Lord of hosts. This is actually the first time that this um, name of God is used is in this chapter. And it's one of God's names that we call him. Yahweh Tzvaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, Lord of heaven's armies. And it's such a powerful name, and it's the name that Hannah calls on him. She knows who she's talking to. She knows she's not just talking to um, a priest or just somebody out there. She's not just praying to open nothingness. She is specifically praying to the Lord of hosts, of heaven's armies, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. She knows that God is able to grant what she is asking for. Because we don't just serve a God who doesn't hear us and doesn't come through for us, but we serve a God who hears us, who answers our prayer, and who comes through for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are always with us, that you are always there for us. Thank you, God, that you are mighty. Hallelujah. So we have to remember to praise God when it is so due. Sometimes our praise is so overdue to God, and we need to just stop whatever is going on in life. We need to just stop and just praise the Lord, and our circumstances will change. Our face will no longer be sad like Hannah when she prayed to the Lord. And then when she gave the praise, she was so thankful and grateful. And so she gave Samuel to Eli, the priest, and he was grateful for the gift that she gave. He saw that this was a sacrifice, and that's why it says, Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. And as I said before, it says, Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. She left her baby boy with the Lord, and he was ministering in the presence of the Lord, the text says. Because as I said before, God was sovereign in this situation. God had a plan this entire time. From the moment that her womb was closed to the point where he was raising up a great prophet of Israel. Because this isn't just a nice story where a woman received a baby she was praying for. This is so much more because God wanted to do a work in Israel. At that that time the word of the Lord was rare the text says no one was really hearing from God not even Eli the high priest because he wasn't really obeying the Lord he wasn't disciplining his children like God wanted him to so here it is soon after that Eli the priest of that time an older man who was wise had to go to Samuel the young boy in order to hear the word of the Lord because the Lord chose this situation this son to use and that he would speak through to the mouths of all of Israel he would be the the mouth that um, God would speak through. And the Bible also says that the Lord did not let any of the words of Samuel fall to the ground. Everything Samuel said, God did. God didn't just leave Samuel hanging, but everything Samuel prophesied came to pass because God had such a powerful plan in this situation. You know, sometimes we don't see the whole picture. We just see the one thing we're petitioning God for. We don't always expect God to do a great miraculous work, but sometimes that's what God wants to do. Sometimes that's what God has in mind in his sovereignty and in his omniscience. He has a bigger plan at work than we can even see. So our petitioning him is just all part 
part of his sovereign plan to do what he wants to do because God wants to do miracles. So God is sovereign. Don't think that he has forgotten about your situation because Hannah grieved for years before she received her prayed for son. But the Lord did not forget her. The Lord remembered her. So I encourage you, keep praying to the Lord. Keep seeking God. Don't just give up on the thing that you are asking for. Maybe you're like Hannah and there's something in your life that has tormented you, like she was tormented. Maybe there's something in your life that you are asking for from God and you have not seen it yet, but I would like to tell you, do not lose hope and do not give up because God can still do it and God will still do it if we have faith like Hannah had because God wants to do a mighty work in your lives. God wants to bless you. God wants to heal you. God wants to restore you. Maybe you've been praying for a loved one to be saved and you haven't seen it come to fruition yet. Keep praying. Keep asking of the Lord because Hannah, year after year, would go up to the house of the Lord and pray. So I encourage you as well. Keep asking the Lord. Don't give up. If I could have everyone please stand. Thank you. With every um, head bowed, please. If there is anyone in here today and you have been asking the Lord for something, you have been petitioning the Lord like Hannah, and you maybe haven't seen the results yet. Maybe it's been years like Hannah, or maybe you've been tormented by something for years like Hannah was. Maybe you can relate to her more than you ever knew you could. If there's anyone right now who could say, I'm asking the Lord for something and I have not received it yet, please raise your hand. Because the Lord wants to bless us and the Lord wants to do a mighty work in our life. We need to ask him. We need to keep asking him. If I can have everyone that raised their hand that wants to, please come to the front right now.
Again, if everyone could please keep their head bowed just for a moment. If there is anyone in this room that maybe you don't know the Lord like Hannah knew the Lord. Maybe you don't feel comfortable asking God for something because you don't really know that you know him like Hannah did. You can't call on the name of the Lord and ask him for things. But I promise you that he is a good father. I promise you that he loves you and that he wants you to call on his name. If there's anyone in here today and you would say, I don't really know Jesus, or I don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I want to enter in relationship with him. Maybe life is too hard right now. Maybe you can't do it alone because you weren't created to do it alone. I would ask you, raise your hand. Is there anyone in this room that you would say, I want to call upon the name of the Lord. I want to know for certain that I have eternal life, that I am going to heaven, that when I meet Jesus one day, I will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you can know that you have eternal life. But if there's any uncertainty and you would like to accept Jesus, please raise your hand quickly right now. Thank you. Raise your hand. This is important. This is your eternal destiny. This is where you will spend your eternity. This is important. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have salvation, so that you could live forever with with the Lord in heaven, that you don't have to go to hell, that you don't have to pay the price because Jesus already paid it. Is there anyone else that you would say, I would like to receive the Lord today. I would like to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. Is there anyone else? Those that raise your hand, if you would please come to the front. I don't say this to embarrass you, but I say this to encourage you. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he did it publicly for you. He wasn't ashamed when he was hanging on that cross for you. So we cannot be ashamed of Jesus in this time right now. Anyone else who raised your hand, if you would please come to the front. And we will just pray, and then we can go back to your seat. If you would pray this prayer with me, those that raise your hand or those that are at the front. Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. Lord, I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. Cleanse my heart. Take away all of my sins. Forgive me. I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. I want to be with you one day in heaven, Jesus. Amen. wisdom and knowledge in it. It was very articulate. 
and uh, and Rebecca, you had a lot of passion, and we we received that today. Rebecca, you made your, you made your mom and dad proud today. <laughs> In fact, you made all of us proud today. <laughs> you made the Lord happy. You really did. You made the Lord happy. Wow, good word. The generations will declare the glory of the Lord, right? Every generation. And now now we're seeing that come to pass. Praise God. Well, um, I want to close out in prayer. It's so good to see the church filling up a little bit. This is great. Let's trust the Lord as we go through the summer. We'll see some others come in. Those of you at home, God bless you. You're always welcome to come in, in, in if you can. But good to have you on live stream as well. So, I'll pray. Uh, as you make your way out, there's some mission stuff in the front foyer. You can help yourself to that. Uh, feel free to greet Rebecca after I pray and let her know how much you appreciate her word today. So let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, this has been a great day in your house. Lord, I, my heart is full. My heart is full. Lord, I, I, the word that comes to my mind here is that Hannah, this was a long-term commitment that she made. It, it didn't just happen overnight that she prayed and you answered, but, but this, her prayers were going on for a long time. And so, Lord, I pray that that truth will burn in our hearts, that our waiting is the test. Our waiting time is the testing time. Help us, Lord, to be steadfast with that. And Lord, also, when we see the results of the prayer, when we see the answers of the prayer, let us be quick, as Hannah did, to give you songs of praise and glory. And let us be empowered and anointed to tell others, my God has heard my prayer and answered my prayer. So Lord, all the prayer requests that we have, and some of us have had prayer requests for years and years and years, we're still waiting, but we leave them with you. We're going to trust you, Lord, to to sustain us, to empower us, to continue in our walk, even as we wait. Lord, as a brother recently said, if we want the God of the Bible to do the things today that we see in the Bible, we have to act like the people of the Bible. Lord, help us to be like the people of the Bible. Help us to have faith like Hannah had faith. So, Lord, may your blessing rest upon the congregation, those here, young and old alike, those at home. Bless us and anoint us with your spirit, Lord, that when we leave this place, when we leave this sanctuary, and we feel the fresh air and the sunshine on our face, we'll we'll sense the very presence of God out there as we go back into the worldly uh, surroundings that we live in. Anoint us, Lord, that we would make a difference. And we thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness in our lives. We give you all glory and honor. It all belongs to you. And we pray this all in the wonderful, glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. You could, uh, you could hug somebody. The restrictions are lifted and greet somebody. But God bless you. We'll see you on the live stream prayer tonight at 6. God bless you.